0: Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go.
1: Welcome back, Maximum Octane. This is your host, Kim Hickey, and I am recording live from Fajardo, which I keep saying wrong. I'm supposed to roll my R, they say with it. Do you know how to say it right? No. Nope. No, Fajardo, Puerto Rico, and it is beautiful here. We're having lots of fun. We're at our annual super conference, and we have Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people here and a yes. lot going on. So joining me today is Mr. Roy Kaiser. How are you? Doing well. Fantastic. Well. And you are the owner and operator of Honest Accurate Auto Service East. Correct. Colorado Springs. Yes. So let's start with easy stuff. What is the temperature like right now there? Are you happy to be in the warmer weather here? Oh, yes. oh,
2: definitely
1: yeah. Nice. Definitely nice. Nice getaway.
2: Yeah. There's probably going to be snow in the forecast.
1: So. Oh, goodness. So you're not going to be sad and missing that and no. looking sad that, gosh, I'm missing the snow back home. No, not at all. So how long have you owned your business for? It's
2: a long story. But I've been a partner. I'm a partner. Okay. And I've been a partner since 2016.
1: But, yeah, 2015. 2015. Okay. And what made you decide to get into this industry?
2: Well, Long story short, I graduated high school and started Monday at Ford dealership.
1: Well, that's um, not a usual thing, so.
2: And I was a tech. And I was a tech for dealerships for almost 30 years and worked my way up. got talked into being managers, which was a mistake. Tech life much easier. And then uh, eventually got tired of that and uh, went back to teching and, uh, How I got into this opportunity is one of my apprentices, his father-in-law owned a business and uh, his father-in-law and another gentleman by the name of Dan opened up this location that I'm at. And uh, they opened it up in 2011. I helped him find the equipment and stuff for the facilities and stuff because I was doing that with the dealerships. And uh, then... They were not making very much money and then come to find out that randy who owned the other shop really didn't make as much money as he led on to believe and uh he's like well something's got to change all, all we're doing is bleeding money in these two years so i came on and at the end of 2012 and with the agreement that i could buy in and worked as a tech and it was paul and i as the tech there in the beginning and Grown it to we now have nine techs. Wow. We did uh, 4 million last year, have 23 employees. So wow, that's
1: quite an operation. Yes, we have quite the answer. Wow. So before we get into today's stuff going on at the shop and how things are going, you went to work with them with the, the agreement that you would be able to buy in. What did yes. that mean to you? Because I think that's something that we really lack in most small businesses is there's not a clear path for people going forward and what could your future look like. And so with, that was something very enticing to you, I imagine?
2: Yes. So 2012 and it was a rough year for me personally. and My wife got divorced after 24 years. It was, it was, I just needed to get some clarity in my life and this opportunity, you know, it took less money than I wish should have. And then I, I, but with the agreement that I could buy in down the road, down the road. and I, uh, to Dan and Randy's credit, they have done everything that they, and it was just, it was written on paper, but it wasn't like. You know a whole contract, but everything that they said they would do, they've done. That's awesome. So, right now I'm the one with the most shares. There will be three of us in the end: Paul, and myself, and Dan's son Austin.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. Good. So, do you re- recommend that for people in organizations when they have somebody and they have a talent that they want to make sure that they keep and? that they're engaged to offer them an opportunity like that?
2: Yeah, if you really have a good working relationship and you feel really good about it, I think I would recommend that. I mean, I'm looking for other locations to expand. And I know that uh, my bookkeeper, right-hand gal, I'll make her partner just because I don't want to lose her. <laughs> so she she's on everything for me, so... She keeps me
1: in That's so important because so many people do not think about that and they they miss it and they lose really good people because yes. they don't know. So that's wonderful that you know that you have some talent there that you want to hold on to. Oh, definitely. So you went there, you, you were one of the techs and, and didn't have a lot. So how did, how did you grow it now to nine techs and all of the other stuff? How, how did that happen? I mean clearly you're magic but besides the magic aspect. Oh, no,
2: no, no. magic uh, well fortunately since Paul was my apprentice I have very high standards and workmanship level so we do really good work and I just I would say perpetuate that have keeping your standards so high you know you come to realize that people are not going to hit your standards but if you can get them, that's better than most others, you know, so you got to keep your standards way up here to pull them up to where you need to be. I would say that's probably the biggest thing.
1: So do you think you have a reputation in town for the, your culture? And that's why people want to come in and work there Mm -hmm. and you're able to attract talent.
2: Yeah. I got, I have a very, pretty deep bench. A coach, he's
1: like You're making my heart sing right now, talking <laughs> about a bench. Yes,
2: yes, yes. I have like seven techs who
1: want to come work for me. I have nine. And,
2: and then uh, I have four advisors on my list too.
1: How did you start building that bench? Reputation, honestly. Reputation
2: out there. And I, I know people from being in the dealership world there. So reputation is the biggest thing. You know, and then... The tool guys, they all talk and, you know, talk to other shops and they're like, well, if you're looking for a job, you need to go see this shop.
1: I want to make sure everybody hears that because so many times all we hear and even my friends that have other kind of businesses, any industry, there aren't any good people out there. I can't find help. I can't whatever. But a lot of people aren't doing what they need to first to make an attractive place for people to work and, you know, it's so important to have people talking about you and and your employees or internal customers, because they're almost like little mini ambassadors for you going on over. And when they're happy and raving about you, when they're at training or at parties or get togethers or bowling or whatever they do, that's, there isn't anything more powerful than that. You can write the best ad, but if you don't have that culture, And you don't have that place that everybody wants to work at. The ad doesn't do anything. And there's a big disconnect right now. You know, people write great ads, but when you look at the shop, when you look at the tools, when you look at the pay, when you look at the benefits and all of it doesn't match up, what are some of the things that you do there that you think makes you the place to want to go? Well,
2: we're not flat right? Uh, We're a salary and a bonus based off of. Shop hours for the techs and then daily average for the advisors. So 80% of our pay is solid. And 20% is made up the boss. We do a lot of things. You know, we try to do the best we can with the health insurance given climate and stuff. You know, everybody's birthdays paid off. Um, holidays, get three weeks PTO after five years of
1: um, How many weeks? Three weeks. Okay, and
2: then um, you know we just do, try to do fun things. We had a group camping trip last year. We ran out half the campground. We were all set up up there. We're doing it again this year because everybody loved that uh, paintball. You know, everybody likes shooting the boss. especially <laughs> shooting <the head. laughs> So we do try to do a lot of benefits. You know, we accident.
1: Um, you know, help, and uh, just a lot going on. Being the perfectionist that you are, I'm sure you have expectations, and how do you lay it out? Because we have so many people in business today, business owners, they're afraid to set expectations and hold people accountable because they don't want to, quote, unquote, lose anybody and, and so they just sort of let people run amok. So, how do you handle that?
2: Well, you lose people because people run amok. You know, there's, if there's no structure, or you know, it doesn't feel like a well run machine, people are not going to want to stay there. So, you got to have that structure and expectation levels. So. I'm probably harder on the technicians than I am on the
1: advisors. So why is that? Because you Since were a I tech was a technician. To be quite honest,
2: I mean, I filled in as a advisor at the dealership a couple of times, and they're like, "This one's gone," on. <laughs> and I'm like, "I know. My car runs good. You know, you want to fix it or not? I don't care."
1: <laughs> but other people are better at that than I am. So is that one of your secrets knowing who to put where? Yeah. And using their talents. Oh, yeah. 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 you look, I can see you're lighting up right oh, now, yeah. talking about yeah. that. So tell me about that a little bit, because well, you just lit up like a Christmas yeah, tree. That's that is
2: honestly the key.
1: Is that, that your
2: superpower? Is trying to figure out what I have nine texts. There's different levels of skill all through there. I got two guys I don't ever have to really get involved for sure. Right probably three, but bringing these young guys in, figuring out what they're good at and then kind of gearing them towards there and then try to train them on the things they need help on for technicians is what I do. And then the the advisors, like I have a young lady that I got from O'Reilly parts that uh, I'm like, we interviewed her once. She didn't have any experience. And I'm like, I told Paul, "She's going to work for us. Not now, but she's coming back to work for us because I just had this feeling that she'd be a perfect fit." And sure enough, about eight months later, it's like, "All right, we got an opening. Let's call her up. Got her in. Got her started. No advisor experience, but she had parts experience. But she just had that bubbly attitude about everything. So it was, it was awesome. So she's worked out really well for us."
1: I love that you understand that we can train people to do almost anything, but you can't train personality. You yes. can't train somebody that's. Attitude trained. is so much. Yeah. Way. Yeah. It <laughs> is, isn't it? Yes. So how do you go about building your bench? Because there's probably people right now that are so envious and saying, how the heck that won't work here. That's what we hear a lot. Oh, that that won't work here.
2: Uh, well, one kid. You know, he's not so much a kid. Anymore. He has a couple of kids. But he worked for us back in 2013 as a shop porter cleaning up and stuff, but then was going to school. So he's been working in the field now for uh, a while. And I've talked to him. He definitely would love to come back. He's like, yeah, you guys shop around the best investment of everything. And he's, he's been at plus in a couple other places. So he would love to come back. So, yeah, that I have another kid who decided he wanted to go to college and he's like, College Bye. is not for me. And Bye. now he wants to go come back and do automotive, but he's going to go to school for it now and all that. But I don't have a spot for him right now. I have a couple ATEX that have applied that I've met. And I'm like, Yeah, you would. He would, I think you would fit in, but I just don't have an opening right now.
1: So, do you check in with them periodically to I, touch base? How do, do you do that?
2: Well, call them, text them, see how they're doing. Luis, he's going to come to our camping trip because he used to work for us, so he's coming. I've had former employees just come on our, our outings, Christmas parties, whatever, because it builds loyalty. And then they're out talking about, well, you should go and talk to.
1: This company they take you good that's awesome I'm telling you you're gonna have some very envious people listening <laughs> and one of the I think one of the misconceptions is that people you can't put them on the bench because they need a job right now and if you don't put them on right now they'll never come and talk to you so what would you say to the people that think that way
2: oh put them on the bench keep in contact you know. Let them know. We're still here. And we're, I don't have an opening, but I'd be interested if I have an opening. Just, you know, keep that open line of communication. And they may end up in a place that they're happy with. I'm well, good. You tell them good. Good for them. But you just keep on talking to people.
1: Got to keep on talking. They're not going to magically come in the door for sure.
2: No. And then,
1: you know, training. Trying to bring the ones up. So, are you working with a lot of apprentices, or not?
2: Not so much now. As I worked with a lot of apprentices throughout my life, I always had apprentices as a technician at the Ford dealerships. So, right now, I got basically a couple C guys that are working on training up. They can do all the moves. And then, the one nice thing about being a salary. The other guys will help them out. And uh, so it's worked out pretty good. What do you look for in a technician? Attitude and aptitude. Why did you want to get into this business? You know, is a good question. Because were you the kid that was always tearing things apart and putting things back together? You know, that kind of kid, you know, for seems to be more the aptitude of what you have. And then attitude. You can train some skill. Attitude is hard to deal with. It is. It is.
1: What is your policy for training? Because a lot of times when people get to the A-level, all these technicians, they get the attitude sometimes that I don't need any more training. I know everything. I can teach the class. What do, what do you say to that?
2: Well, I'm fortunate because my a-level text. I don't try to find them classes. They find classes for me to send them to.
1: So is that something you set up when you were onboarding them? And did you set the expectation that we have to always be training and learning? or? Yeah.
2: Well, I do say we always got to be learning. And most of the times when people are high, they know this industry is always changing. So, of course, I have uh, a lot of people doing the, all the EV training got most of the tools for it got the tesla stuff done so just a matter of saying all right we're going to work on it so a lot of them have already done a lot of training on that so
1: that's awesome that they just sign up for themselves so do you personally handle the oversight for training or are you the one that yes. kind of keeps track on who's yes. learning what yes. and
2: yeah the two the, the fine classes. I, I don't don't the other people, ah, hey, you need to take class. Don't
1: take this class. And how do you keep track of that?
2: Honestly. <laughs> this is probably bad, but I'm my head. Hmm. And then, you know, you see what they're having struggles with. You need this class. So
1: what what are, what do we do? How do we, how do we get that out of your head and on a paper somewhere?
2: Well, I have used the ATI training curriculum thing.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Try
2: to help gauge where people are at have them go fill it out. Okay. You know, and like, if you're good on this, just write good, 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 tell you need work, need work, and then we'll start
1: training you on that stuff there.
2: Okay.
1: Awesome. What's one of the biggest lessons you've learned as being a business owner? A business
2: owner? Sometimes partnerships can be tough. Tough. Just kind of talk through it, work it right
1: through it. Going to be a lot of expectations set up for that in the beginning, too, right? And not assume anything. The the assumptions get people in trouble. Do you have very clearly defined roles? Because that's what we see as the most success when there's very clearly defined this is your area, this is your area, this is your area. Yeah,
2: we do actually. Paul handles all the, the. He's basically in charge of the service advisors and quality assurance and uh, any customer issues. He takes care of that because he's excellent at
1: that. Well, that's one of the beauty of, beauty of having a partnership or more than one person involved because then you can plate everyone's strengths yes. and and put everyone Absolutely. instead of being a jack of all trades. Yeah. But you definitely have to have the roles all clearly defined or there can be a lot of overlap. Even when you think about when you want to go out with your friends, like we do a girls night with my girlfriends and I and my gosh, to try to get, uh, you know, a few of us to decide on the same place to eat at whatever, you know, something as simple as that. So if you don't really have everything laid out in in a business partnership, it can it can be a lot. It'd be a lot. But it's also nice to not have to be alone and make all the decisions alone and know that you're not the only one. And right. I'm here
2: and I'm not stressing about there. So,
1: What excites you the most about what's going on with your shop right now and your people?
2: Honestly, how much I could really grow this uh, if I had a, a couple more locations. All right. Really. Because we are just... Doing really well, and then I know I get set up. I got enough people on the bench. I can start another shop and have it staffed in no time.
1: That's a wonderful feeling, I bet.
2: Yeah, but right now, finding a place is the problem.
1: Colorado is
2: pretty booming
1: there, isn't it? So it's hard to find places. Yes.
2: One spot I found, only went 4.5 million for the land. Oof. That doesn't include building a
1: the building. That is not good. Yeah. That is not good at all. So how many locations do you want to have, do you think?
2: I don't know. Depends on how many headaches I have on the first or second (laughs) location. (laughs) I don't know. I think it'll be pretty smooth in my head. It's I don't think it'd be that much of a stretch to make it grow fast. And uh Because we have customers come, you know, 60, 70 miles away to us. They pass a lot of places to get to us. So if I can make it more convenient for them, I can be closer to there. And then our shop's pretty well at capacity as far as uh, parking goes. It's just
1: maxed out. Yeah. It's very exciting. I really appreciate you taking time out to join me today. I know there's a lot going on here at this beautiful resort. So, any final advice do you have for our viewers and listeners?
2: Mm, Keep the standards high, and get the rest of your people to reach to those standards. They'll never get there, and realize that. But if you're pulling them up, that'll be best for
1: you. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much. I do. And everybody stay safe, make good choices and stay inspired. And I will be back in the next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of maximum opting your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.